Shuby. Shuby makes it easy to take your customer service to the next level. Show your clients you care with their full line of extra-large, extra-durable products made specifically to protect their home or business. Shuby products were made by service professionals for service professionals. None of those cheap, thin shoe covers that tear on the job. Their booties are made tough. They have surface protection products for every floor type to make sure you don't leave behind scuffs or scrapes. And don't forget their coveralls, made with an extra long torso for ease of motion while keeping your uniform clean all day. Let Shuby prevent the hassle of cleanup by preventing the mess in the first place. Put your best foot forward with Shuby today. Visit their website at www.shuby.com or give them a call today and mention coupon code SGIPOD10 to receive 10% off your next order. Support for this podcast comes from Staples. Staples is the leading provider in office supplies, offering a vast selection of products and services. Over the last two years, Staples has also become one of America's largest janitorial suppliers as well. From your everyday business essentials to your office furniture, printing, facilities, and break room, Staples can do it all. Staples offers benefits to help create efficiencies in procurement and consolidate vendors to streamline internal processes. Visit www.staplesadvantage.com to learn more. Welcome to The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, formerly Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor are available on YouTube as well as your podcast player of choice. And yes, you heard, heard me correctly, SGI is now Certain Path. We've rebranded ourselves under a name that we believe best represents what we do for residential contractors, and that's put them on a certain path to success. For more information on what we can do for you, visit our new site, www.mycertainpath.com, or give us a call at 866 299 8505. Today's show is part one of a two-part discussion I had with Jimmy Dale, owner of Baker Brothers Plumbing, Heating, and Air in the DFW market. Uh, Jimmy's also a part owner of Certain Path. Uh, Jimmy's been on the guest, uh, has been a guest, excuse me, on the show before. Specifically, he talked to me about building culture in episode 10, which is an audio-only show, but the information is so good, I highly recommend uh, going back and listening to it. Uh, Jimmy's story is incredible. He first came to SGI slash Certain Path as a member uh, 10, 15 years ago. Baker Brothers was a small, multi-generational plumbing business, and he was looking for a better way to do residential services. Um, I just traded text with him yesterday. He believes Baker Brothers can do $80 million in sales this year, uh, and of course, uh, at a great net profit. Um, in this particular show, we talk about how to break into new trades, uh, beat off-season goals, explode your IAQ business, find and retain great people, and a bunch more. Uh, Jimmy's one of my favorite people in trades. I think you'll see why. He's got big energy, and he loves to help others. So without further ado, here's Jimmy Dale from Baker Brothers. I hope you enjoy it, and take away a nugget or two. Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been too long. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great, great. Amazing. For those who don't know you, can I share your, your name, your company name, where you're located at? Yeah, um, Jimmy... Jimmy Dale from Baker Brothers Plumbing, Air and Electric, uh, Dallas, Texas. So we've been in we've been in business about since 1945. Mm -hmm. My grandfather started, then my dad in the in the 80s took over, and uh, we've always been a really small company. And then about 2003, I actually weren't home services. About 2003, got into home services. Yeah. 
And let's see, I, I know last year was probably another great year for Baker Brothers. Kind of share with everyone, what did you guys do total revenue? So we we did like sixty four million last year. Yeah. And so that was the first time we so last year the year before we broke fifty it was the first time we broke fifty and then this year we broke sixty so yeah next year we're trying for you know I think like seventy five to seventy eight something okay. like that so yeah just natural growth like not doing not doing an acquisition or anything like okay. that so just kind of steady Eddie sure now if you break that down into the three trades you work what I'm sure what HVACs yeah and Is that I, half or not? H I think HVAC well of the total now. It used to just be plumbing to HVAC, and right. HVAC was just trying to get to half. Yep. But then we started electric about three years ago. So that that kind of – but, yeah, we're probably like, you know, this next year HVAC should, like, surpass plumbing. Okay. Uh, you know, probably – I think we're around, like, 34 and then maybe, like, you know, 30 in plumbing and then, like, a, you know, 8 in electrical, something like that. So. I can't believe you're doing 8 in electrical already. That's crazy. Because yeah. I, I, you said three years. We're going to do it. Going to do. Going to do. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. we haven't done it yet. No, 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 sure. But I, I just feel like I, I, I was surprised you said three years of electrical. It hasn't felt like it's been that long, but I, I obviously it has. Yeah. So um, I do want to talk about that because obviously lots of people are inter intrigued by getting into different, you know, different trades and, and, you know, maximizing their customer list. So, so for you as, as you know, you know, an experienced operator getting into a new trade like that, what was the first steps? Was it maybe finding a leader for that division or what were some of the things that you had to think about? Well, I, I think, you know, that we've started two new trades, start AC, then we start electric. Right. And I think both times is kind of being aware of what you're getting into and what the model of that business is. Because AC is probably the most different. Sure. Like when we started plumbing, electrical and plumbing aren't too far off. I mean, it's kind of a steady average ticket every day. You got to, you don't, not a lot of loss leaders. Yeah. You know, it's that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was friends with Gus Antos who started Milestone. It's one of the largest electrical home service companies in the nation. And we collaborate all the time. So, I wasn't even thinking about doing electric then, but I picked up on a lot from him. Sure. So I think the first thing for the owner is to learn about the model, like learn about the business model. Right. And that's where like, you know, organizations like Success Group International, that's where they really help out is because, you know, I, I literally told my guy, go talk to the coach in electrical yeah. and just do all the stuff they say. And, <laughs> and I go, and I literally go, you just put our logo on their stuff. Yeah. Don't try to mess with it a whole bunch. Yeah. Like, let's just... Rinse and repeat. Yeah. So we did that, and and Sonia did a great job as the coach. I She's mean, awesome. she did an amazing job. Yeah. And I, I told another guy that used to be at SGI. I remember he's starting electrical, and I, I exactly what I told him was like, you need to rejoin SGI, and you need to go to her and talk to her. <laughs> that's, that's what I told him. Yeah. And he goes, really? I go, yeah. I go, she. He knew Gus. I go, she's. She worked, at, she worked at Milestone. She was there with him when he started. She knows how to get it going. Yeah. And so we really just do it straightforward pricing. Yeah. Uh, we we do some things, and then we do we also do it in plumbing too, but we do a lot of stuff we're trying to find, like, other things in electrical. There's a lot of electrical things that homeowners want, right. but they don't know it's Exist. what we do or yeah. they even exist, like sure. whole home surge protection. Yeah. They have no idea that you can do that. Right. They just see those little plug-in things that they buy at $150 a pop and they yeah. have to put them all over and you go, look at all the electronics we have, your laptops, your, your charges, your iPads, your phones. Sure. And everybody like resets their phones. Like they always go, whoa, I go, you reset your phone because you had a power surge. Yeah. You know, and it messed your phone up. Yeah. And I go, if you had this protector on there, it, it 100%, you have too many electronics and too much value there to not spend 
700 to a thousand dollars on this sure. device. So I go out there cause you have a bad plug, you know, and basically put you on that. And as a homeowner, you're happy. Yeah. It protects what you've got. We've got, we've got it in generators, especially with what went on in Texas. Oh yeah. Like a lot of, um, you know, because, because the power outages, there was, there's all of a sudden a demand for generators, yeah, yeah, yeah. whole home generators. And we have partial generators and a whole home. And so we do a lot of, we do a lot of that now. How, and how are the margins on generators? I've heard mixed things where it's, well, you it's can't, you can't, I think a big, the biggest mistake I think people make is they take, they take the budgets that, that SGI gives us and they hardline those percentages. Yeah. There, there, it is okay to take like a 40% job. Yeah. If the total dollar amount, like say for one guy one day, yeah. like if I were to, like we used to do that with tankless water heaters. Yeah. I would say, well, that guy brought in sixteen to $1,800 of gross margin in that one day. Yeah. If we'd have put him on service work, mm-hmm. he'd have brought in $900. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I go, so we're going to pass up on this 1800 because the margin isn't right. Right. It's eighteen hundred dollars cash in one truck. Yeah. So I think sometimes we don't we get so fixed in the percentages sure. that we stop looking at the dollars per day per truck. Mm-hmm. Which why would I not take eighteen hundred dollars per day per man? Like that's two guys worth of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're bringing in. Right. So I think it's what we do in water heaters as well. We okay. we actually make our water heaters really super efficient, mm-hmm. and we do stuff that you're not supposed to do at margin percentages. You're not supposed to do. Yeah. And our guys, we have one truck that'll bring in a million dollars of work. I was gonna say, but you're selling at a volume, right? Yeah, it makes it work. Yeah, and so there's this balance of I got the volume. So generators, you're not gonna probably get the volume. You could be the cheapest guy in town yeah. and not get the volume on generators. Sure, but still, like I mean, we're get we're we're making good margins on them. It is less than our normal, like you know, sixty percent or fifty-eight to sixty sure, percent sure. in electrical margins. Yeah, it is less. But still, it's a lot of money. I mean, it it's a twenty to fifty thousand dollar job. Right. Right. So we're doing well with them, and, and we've and we've hit our goals for last year in electrical with yeah. less people, and that was kind of thing. We we couldn't get enough electricians last year. Yeah, I want. Yeah, so I want. Yeah, I want to get in that. So let's rewind real quick. So you said, "My guy, go talk to Sonia. Who is your that guy? Like, who did you determine to so change? I, oh, so I, I went. We interviewed. We interviewed guys that just that had their master license okay. in you know, electrical. And we put out ads, just re- like recruiting anyone else. Yeah. And they came in, and then we just interviewed a bunch of guys, and we found James. And we were lucky to find James. I mean, James is – I feel like he's a one-in-a-million guy, so we are really fortunate to get yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So he understands – obviously, he knows the technical part, but he's also picked up on the system and, and the way you guys expect business to be run. Yeah, and I think and I think that's the – with both the guys that we got, both the guys were, you know, right around 50. Okay. And the thing is that I need to know is that you are willing to learn a different way to do what you do because yeah. James was in new construction. He was a new construction, mm. had his own business for a while, struggled like everybody does. Sure. And he was just like, Hey, I just want to you know, have a stable set thing. And that's what his want was. And I, but my big thing was, are you willing to learn? Like, are you willing to learn a whole different model? Because what you're doing, this is really different. Sure. Doing home service work is real different than new construction. Right. Are you willing to learn it? Yes. Roger Frazzini, same thing on HVAC. I said, yeah. Roger was right at 50. And I go, hey, Roger, you've been working. What was his background, by the way? Yeah. He'd been working with his dad for like 30-something years. Doing like what? Doing AC work. Okay. Doing commercial, doing a bunch of stuff. And he knew the way his dad was doing it just was not he knew it sustainable was right. yeah. for he, he and two other families. Okay. So basically, he came to work for us looking for something like this. We we same thing is like, hey, are you willing to just be a sponge and get information and learn? Yeah, 
because there's a lot that we have to do, a lot we have to pick up on. Right. How, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. And so that was the biggest part was making sure that we get good, solid people and that they're willing to like, and, and really to be honest, they we didn't have to give them, I think a lot of people want to give them too much. Oh, I got to give them 10% of the business and do all sorts of stuff. They, they were just working for salary and the promise of bonus and promise of more money later. Sure. And that was it. Sure, sure. So the, your, your, electri- your electrical guy, he, he starts off. And how long did you wait to run your first calls before you kind of made sure everything was kind of in place? You I mean, call I think, taking would be right? Yeah, I mean, I, right? Think we, I think we brought him in in May. Yeah. And, you know, the, the dispatching for electrical wasn't really difficult because it was really asimilar to plumbing, about sure. the same volume of calls and everything else. Like so the, the dispatching part and the management part was like pretty much we trained them in-house, like how we trained those, all the managers. Yeah. Hey, here's, here's how you do this, and here's, here's how you get this done. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the other part, too, though, is we're not too – Now I, I know a lot of guys that they are systems guys, and it is step one through ten as the only way you can do it. Sure. I, I've never been that way because okay. I feel like people are – like chess, not like checkers. Yeah. I mean, checkers, they all move the same way. Yeah. Chess, people move different ways, do different things. And I go, you know, there's there's kind of that whole, hey, there's nine ways to skin a cat, yeah. that type of thing. And it's yeah. like, hey, here's your main objectives. Here's some ideas on how to monitor those. Yeah. But here's the objectives, and here's where we want you to get at the end of every month. Okay. And that and that's kind of the groundwork that we laid for James, dispatchers. Mm-hmm. You know, the call center, like I said, it was just – Add an electric right. on the end of it to for them and 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 them, you know, people are normally pretty. You don't have to be really technical. When I go, my plug doesn't work. I mean, the, <laughs> the homeowner, yeah, they don't is know. not technical, not at all. And they're just like, hey, I've got this problem, and then I just have to, as a call center, put put the problem down. The electrician will go, oh, I know what that problem is. Sure. So we didn't have a lot of hard time in the in the back office part of it, right? Uh, and and like I said, the SGI group helped with you know. The, the book, the invoices, like all that type of stuff. And then... Uh, well, how many how many electricians did you hire then? We had, we had James. So at first we just had them, the two guys. We, James is, they were James and his, his stepson, Andrew. Okay. Who's our lead salesman now. Is that right? And yeah, Andrew's a stud. And and James and Andrew, and then they, they soon got like two other guys that they worked with to come work with them. And uh, then James, like we got James out of the field like, pretty quick. Okay. Like we just wanted him to learn how to do, learn what the guys were doing Yeah, because James had not been going to people's houses no. and New selling construction. either. So sure. we, we had about, you know, about two to three months of that. Yeah. And then that way James could go, Hey, I, I'm speaking from experience, not from, what? yeah, I heard about this method of selling something or talking to it's people about things. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So that was kind of the method. And I think we probably just, I mean, probably for the first six months, we kind of just, you know, we didn't really consider our first year until we got to that January. Okay. Because we were getting things set up. We were trying to get the guys in. We're just running calls. I mean, we were, we were profitable. You know, we were profitable in the calls we ran. Yeah. But we, were, we weren't focused on really pushing sales and pushing certain things. Like, hey, let's just get the guys in here. Let's get some calls in. Let's start running them. So, yeah, speaking of the calls, people always ask, did you just change how you answered the phones and to say, hey, we do electric now? Or what? what how'd you do that? Well, this kind of, this kind of leads into a, a big topic, which is <laughs> what what do you do? Like, yeah. hey, I, I'm a plumber. Do I go open another plumbing company in Waco, Texas? Yeah. And or do I go into another trade? Yeah. And, and I think and I think the big thing here is to show to t- I'm going to tell you what we did, and you're going to go, okay, that answers this question. Yes. I had other people go, well, I'm going to go open another deal. I go, well, how many trucks can you get going over there? I don't know, probably about five or six. You know, 
I mean, I'm hoping maybe four or five just starting out. And I go, well, I mean, can you just put four or five where you're at? I'm like, well, yeah. I go, well, then why wouldn't you just stay where you're at and not make another office? And there's All this McDonald's, I guess, uh, thing in our head yeah. of a chain franchise or something. Sure. And I go to maximize though. It's like if we already go to our current customers who love us and just say, "Hey, we do electrical." Yeah. So we this is going to be really hard to believe that we got any customers at all off this. Yeah. All we did was literally say Baker Brothers Plumbing and Electric and people were like, "Hey, I've got an electrical problem too." Is that right? That's all we did. We did not put we did not have pay-per-click. Yeah. That's we put it on our website. Yeah. So we added the pages on our website. Yeah. And then we basically said that on the phone and we kept like five trucks busy <laughs> just doing that. Just doing that. But we have 250,000, some crazy number of people in the database. Sure. Yeah. And you've been marketing yourself, branding yourself in the market. For and, so and we did years. email blasts yeah. and stuff like that. But we didn't start really doing any, any advertising uh, to it until until we went to maybe the second year. Yeah. We started putting it on TV or doing, or, or doing pay-per-click maybe you know, about midway through year one. Mm -hmm. So we did almost $2 million off of just a, a kind of a word of mouth. Hey, let's throw out some email blast and let's yeah. put electric at the end. We also did something that is, I think, really a cool thing that we do when we're, if we're slower in another trade, we have, since we have all three, we may do a special. Okay. And so as we're going, hey, you know, you have this plumbing problem, we're going to be out for the plumbing. We get that all wrapped up. They say, hey, by the way, we have this special in electric. We'll come out and we'll change out all the batteries in your smoke detectors for a hundred dollars. Oh, okay. And they'll go, okay. Well, then the guys go out and they tell them about, hey, we have these smoke detectors that have a ten-year sealed battery. And dude, I'm I'm the sucker for this. I was the guy that had the at oh, two a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we all been there. Sure. Just wandering around, going, where <laughs> is this? Like I can't find it. And I go, so when he said that he had, to, I'll go, are you kidding me? I go, dude, do you know how many people would love? For you to come in and if you could make that ever go away in their life, yeah, they would love it. And they go and so we started doing that. So that's a separate service appointment then. You don't come in while the plumber's leaving out, right? Yeah. They, well, I think a reset. lot of people like to separate it and stuff yeah. so that you're only dealing with one trade at a time. That's yeah. I didn't but know we, what but you guys we were did. pretty much just like, hey, if if it had, we we weren't really hardlined about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem with me is I'm probably not hardlined about a lot of things. <laughs> Except, hey, except it's winning. Working. Yeah, I, I just want to win. I just want to win to hit our number, and that's yeah. it. But I, I don't think I'm a hard line on a lot of things. And I'm like, I think sometimes we worry about stuff that yeah. just really doesn't make a big difference. Right. Because if the plumber's over there talking to the guy, the electrician can go switch out all the batteries. That's true. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not, you know, and I think you only talk to him for so long, and then you start doing your work. Yeah. And then the other guy can, you know, go in there and go, hey, Mrs. Johnson, uh, you know, I'll tell you about this thing. Now, does the electrician do the, the, the inspection too? In addition to changing the batteries out to try and oh yeah yeah they'll they'll they're doing the look, whole thing yeah then. they'll always go in and look at the panel and make sure that the panels where it needs to be I mean they do that on every issues, the, right. the electric electrical guys do a really good job of that because they they feel like that that's dangerous sure. so it's I feel it's you know the plumbers may not check the water heater every time right but the electricians will always check the panel every single time yeah so I think that's kind of a good thing and and like I said it it we basically ramp business in a very grassroots way. Adding it on our name, doing some of the specials like you know cross trade marketing specials. Sure, we we did we did handouts too where we gave oh uh, okay little um, cards that say now we do electrical and here's a hundred dollars off your first service. So the plumbers and AC guys would do leave behinds. Okay, and so that was kind of how we got it going was just kind of this 
hey, let's go to our current customer base and get it going. And I mean, we did $2 million that, that first year. Yeah. I think almost, we almost did three. I think it was like 2.8 or something point. insane. Yeah. But I mean, I was like, dude, I know guys in electrical that have been doing it for a decade and they're trying to get $2 million. $2 million dollars. Yeah. So it just, it just shows you how you can leverage your customer base yeah. into other offerings. And I, I always like, like Starbucks, you know, it was just coffee kind of. Yeah. And then now it's coffee and scones and now it's coffee yeah. and breakfast sandwiches and now it's coffee and these other things. So I think it's, I think it's like a, it's really just like, Hey, you're leveraging your current customer base. And if I go like, if I went to Waco and like, Hey, I'm going to open up a, a place in Waco, Texas, I have no customers. I have right. zero customers. Yep. yep. And I have to go buy to Greenfield. I have to go in there and spend, I would guess at least $2 million. Yeah of just advertising to kind of get something going. Sure, sure. Backtrack real quick. Uh-huh. You, we talked about the electrical, but now that we're talking about starting new divisions, you brought up the HVAC, and I didn't even think to ask about it, but I will, because I know it's been a while, right? And it's a big part of the business, obviously. Did you learn a lot in doing that, or how much different was, rather, starting HVAC? You know, so what, are there any hard lessons learned for those guys that are electricians and plumbers listening or watching? Yeah. And go. I, I'm intrigued by HVAC. That's a big, some big well, tickets right I, there, right? I just was telling you I had a conversation with James Wessler right before this. Yes. And he and he was at. I go. How long has it been? He goes. He goes. It's been two years, man. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Is that right? And yeah. and that's what I'd heard. So I went around asking. So here's the great thing about SGI. Yeah. Go ask all the other people that are owners in the other things and ask them or other people you knew that went from one trade to another and go. How did it go? Right. I did that. I surveyed those people, talked to them and go, hey, what is it? What are the pain points here? Yeah. What's different about this? It is very different from oh, plumbing and electric. Sure. Plumbing and electric, we don't have loss leaders. Mm-hmm. Every day, if we lose 5% sales, we're trying to hustle to get the 5% back. And it may take us a week to a week and a half to get that 5% loss back. Right. Um, and HVAC, they can literally do nothing Monday, do nothing Tuesday, do nothing <laughs> Wednesday. And Boom. Thursday and Friday, they can actually go over budget for the week yeah. and just blow it out. You're like, it just it just doesn't happen that fast. And so the the real hard part is really getting the, the cadence of of the the different model because there's shoulder seasons. Like sure. we're just real steady. We have our up and down in plumbing is like maybe, I mean, maybe five and ten percent during certain times of the year. Okay. It's higher or lower. Yeah. And and that and then you can chart it out, and it's just right about. I think it's April or May. We we kind of get in Dallas. We kind of get a little dip. Yeah. And then it stays that way all through summer. And then September usually kind of goes back up again. Interesting. But just very little. Yeah. I mean, AC is like I could be in August and do two million dollars and only do one million dollars in September. Yeah. So it's this huge swing. So it's getting used to the cadence of that and. Yeah. And how do you navigate it? And one of our big lessons was when it's busy yeah. and we're growing the AC business, the AC business is growing, man, we're, we add people. So we add help and add dispatchers and add all these things. Yeah. And then September happens and we were at a 10% overhead rate. Yeah. But then in September happens and now we're at a 12 or 13% overhead rate. Right. So the big thing for us was to understand to keep your overhead at 8% during summer and peak season. Give yourself some cushion. Eight, seven to eight. Yeah. Don't let it get seven to eight. And, and like, if it does, then you're going to have to let people go in September because you're going to be 12 or 13. And, yeah. you know, it just it just becomes cumbersome. So that that's kind of what one of the things. That's and, a good And nugget. how to make money all in the off season. And I think it was Brett Hobson. I met with him like years and years ago before I started. Um, he wanted he was wanted me to come out and look at his place in Weatherford. And 
just local to Dallas. I don't think it was through SGI. Yeah. And he was like, hey, you know, I want to ask you some stuff about how you market and show you how I do and and just kind of compare notes. And we started talking and, I, and he go, he says, Jimmy, any moron can run an AC company <laughs> during right. the peak season. That's about what it sounds like. He right. goes, but the other eight months, yeah. the other eight months, that is difficult because <laughs> yeah. that's the hard part. Yeah. So that was a big part, uh, ramping up our agreements, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, bringing guys in and training them. I will say this, training the AC guys was a lot easier than training the plumbing guys. Interesting. And and that's still that to that day that that way, they're just, I think they're just a little more in tune to, to sell and a little more open to new products and things. Sure. And, you know, and I think in plumbing, there's been a lot of bad products out there that make us susceptible to being, I don't know about Not that. This, yeah. Why don't you do it for three years and I'll, I'll determine if I like ProPress or whatever it is. Right. So that's kind of what, um, you know, that's, that's the, and it's really getting that, how, what do I do in the off season? Yeah. I still, this year, a big, a big thing for us was to do better in the off season. How, yeah. how do we get better in the off season? And, and how, and, and we, and we actually achieved that this year. We were blowing our budget out in the off season. What was the big difference? Well, really? one of them was, which I was surprised. I'm not a big direct mail guy. I, I understand. Never yeah. have been, but yeah, that's what we did. We direct mailed our current customer base. What? About 73,000 a month of the, of the customer base. And, and it was people that had, had not used us in like so much time. So it narrowed it from 250, 300 down to like that 73 hit those guys with just IAQ, like, hey, a free, a free, uh, a free estimate on IAQ stuff. Is that right? You know, and then maybe we'd have a plumbing offer, maybe an electrical offer. Okay. But we started getting a flood of current customers calling us in. So, and, and even from old mailers, like from three months old. Interesting. So people were saving them. And so we're like, so the mailers was one. The other dynamic was that we went to um, the, a different IAQ company. Dynamic, yeah, and they're SGI group. Oh yeah, they're great, and and they came in and their training was way better. That's I cool. mean, way better. They're a good group of people, and they yeah. brought they came in and so our AQ example uh, prior year was like one point three. Yeah, we we're, we do we did three. Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic. Dynamic Air Quality Solutions supplies the private labeled Clean Air Defense System IAQ products exclusively to certain PATH members, based on science and logic. These high-performing IAQ products control all three phases of indoor air contamination and are supported by world-class technical and communication training for your entire team. Learn how to build an IAQ culture within your company with highly profitable IAQ products while helping your clients breathe cleaner, healthier, and fresher indoor air. To partner with us, email Michelle Hogan today at worldclass at dynamicaqs.com. We have dedicated IAQ salespeople. Yeah, I, I think the more important thing is we don't. We have an IAQ install group. Yeah. But we've got a, a manager for IAQ. Okay. He manages all the the IAQ equipment parts and, and you know, the, the you know, we, we do the insulation. Like, we pull all the insulation out and yeah. replace all your insulation. Uh, we do duct cleaning is a big one. Sure. But all the sales guys are all those maintenance guys and all the guys going out in the PM tech. So we really got our AQ managers, very effective guy. And we yep. put him above the two managers that have all the PM techs. Oh, okay. And all so right. they're training those guys. And, 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 the, and, the, what, and the like I said, what the amazing thing was we've almost tripled yeah. what we do. And so with the, with the mailers, the IAQ, the third piece was we, we started – 
with, and this is really hard to believe, that we had an AC department that had salesmen and they weren't held accountable to some close rate. Oh, okay. And I think there's a lot of people out there because you talk to the sales guys, start talking about close rates. Yeah. They like to make it really confusing. <laughs> On a marketing well, lead. They're all, well, they're, I mean, they're all different. I mean, you know, this lead came in this way and that one came in that yeah. way. And I go, no, it's all pretty much the same. You went to a house that needed AC unit and did you buy one or not? Yeah. I go, let's just get serious about it. So what was your heart? So what did you put down? So I want X. So we, I'd been telling our sales manager for two years that we needed it. And they kind of did it was that. Yeah, sure. We won't. Sure, we'll get that for you, Jimmy. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Jimmy shaking his head for those listeners. Never, yeah. And they never did. They never. They never did it. Interesting. Okay. And so finally, we we had a change in that. Our our sales manager went to another company. We brought a new guy in. Yeah. And the first thing this guy did, and I wish the guy, dude, the guy's a great dude. And I wish he was like some magic man that came in and everybody goes, oh my god, yeah. we were gonna. He's so inspiring. We're all gonna close at a higher rate. All he did was lay down a piece of paper and say. This piece of paper, y'all are gonna be held accountable to it. Yeah. Which had different close rates for different things, like, hey, this is a you know membership agreement. This is like, hey, you just went out on a maintenance deal. Hey, this is a service flip. Hey, he had about five categories. Yeah. We're gonna hold you accountable to that. Everyone's close rate went up because one, everybody didn't know this guy. He he came from outside the company. Sure. sure. Of course, all the sales guys wanted someone that they knew. Sure. They want a buddy. And someone's going to feed him. And I go, no, <laughs> yeah, that's right. we brought this guy in. Yeah. And I'll be honest, he he basically came in and he just says, this piece of paper, we're going to use this. Yeah. Everybody's close rate went up. Yeah. And, and we even have it charted, like leads to close. Yeah. And it just went up and so did our sales went up. The, the exact same month that that went up, our sales went up overall. So with, with the, the culmination of holding the guys accountable to close rate. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the mailers yeah. to our current customers and, and the IAQ improvements. Yeah. With all that, you're t- we're talking blowing out like I'm um, 300 to $500,000 over our goal. Wow. For like off in off season. Yeah. Yeah. So good nugget right there. Yeah. That's interesting. Which is just something that just happened. I mean, I wish someone had told me a year ago. Well, you figured it out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked, this electrical division is going crazy. I mean, the business in general is growing exponentially. You got to find people, man. Like, I, And I know you and I have talked before, and I think I feel like I saw you, we, we were talking, and you're like, I got to talk to a wrench group HR person trying to figure this out. Like, So I, I know there's no magic wand to finding talent, but what are you guys doing at Baker Brothers or with the Wrench Group to try and find electricians. I know you didn't find as many as you wanted, but you're still finding enough, right? Yeah. Or, or additional plumbers or, or you know, HVAC tech. So what you know, what are you guys having success with? Well, I mean, we're just we're just doing. You know, we're kind of going through. I mean, the extreme stuff we do is if we actually if someone calls in, yeah, they actually create a relationship with. Like when a guy calls in and he sounds like he's going to be a candidate, yeah, like for Baker Brothers. They they'll reach out to him every couple of months mm-hmm. and just hoping to catch him on that one day that he just got off on call and's pissed off and goes, <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'm ready to make a move. Yeah. You know, but but we'll even though that we don't get an interview, we kinda we kinda keep a relationship. It's almost like I think a lot of people go, Well, the guy called in and he didn't come in yeah. and they give up. Yeah. We we try to kinda almost like, you know, almost like a just slow play almost. Yeah, like a slow play in sales, like you know, in yeah. business sales, like B2B sales. Yeah. That's a slow play. It's like, hey, I'm gonna, 
call Bob and ask him, does he want my copier machine? And he goes, no, not right now. We're pretty good. He'll go, well, hey, is it okay if I call you in a couple months just to make sure you're okay on tone or whatever? Yeah. You'll, you'll go, okay, and then he'll put you down, and then two months later, call. So we almost do that methodology with the guys, like kind of kind of try to build as much, as much as they'll allow us to do it. Sure. You know, there's a lot of social media outlets and stuff that oh, we we'll yeah. put on there, but there's, a, you know, you see it. The problem is if all those guys are over there talking about this latest job they did yeah. and taking pictures of it, and then you throw in there, hey, we're hiring, you know, it 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 yeah. gets, it's like in a party, you're having a good time, and somebody comes in and tries to sell you life insurance. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's it's a real slow play online as well, yeah. and you have to be kind of careful and delicate there, but. I think a lot of it online and social media wise, just showing things that you're doing like, Hey, you know, we had breakfast for the guys and taking pictures of it and putting yeah. it on those things yeah. because other guys see that. See, if I, if I showed you all my guys eating breakfast tacos and the manager's cooking for them, yeah. the guys are going, dude, my boss doesn't even buy me donuts. Yeah. Right. But that's happening in the feed as opposed to saying, Hey, we're hiring. Right. You know, just everybody should know we're always hiring. Sure. And it's just doing that. So we, we also won top 100 places to work. I think it's, I think it's a good idea if there's if there's some kind of like award locally, yeah. top places to work that you should try to get involved in that and do that because mm-hmm. it's valuable. Like because if they're trying to decide between two guys and and they and they know that some of the owners lie to them about what their compensation is yeah. or will be, they're going to pick the guy that got voted the top 100 place to work over the other guy if sure. there's if if you're between two. Um, the other thing is just having people like, it's like the IQ thing. We yeah. put a manager in place and things immediately went better. Right. Well, it's the same thing. If you don't have a recruiter, you, you're making one of the biggest mistakes. Now is it Tamara still, or do you have additional Yeah, Tamara resources? and another, so it's Tamara and a, a, a new person okay. named Jen and Jen and Tamara together. Like since this January, we, we hired Jen in January. Yeah. And so just one of those things, like one person doing the job. And doing a good job, but yeah. then you put another person in, and you just didn't realize how much more you could get done. Right. We have had well, Tamara had a lot of other responsibilities too. I knew that at the time. She was doing some marketing stuff for you. Yeah, and and, yeah. and we got her like now where it's just recruiting now. Like okay. she's actually just doing recruiting. So that was kind of the metamorphosis. Like man, you got a lot to do. Let's just stay over here. Yeah. Well, then now you know we're really big, so we got two now. Yeah. I think Gus price four or five. Yeah. But it's a good idea when you add that extra person. Right. Man, it's incredible how much help that did, how much that helped Tamara. Right. You know, just just being a va- the availability of people. Sure. You know, to talk to someone about coming here, showing them around the office, taking them on a tour, doing things like that. You know, going to we're we're going to com- a lot of community colleges and high schools now are really getting into trades like serious. Like yeah. it's always been kind of this subject that people go. Oh, oh yeah. I go to the high schools and I go. Well, I mean, I don't know if I really want a 19-year-old kid, but, I mean, if they're really sharp and, and put together, yeah, if they're ready to get ready with life. Yeah. But, you know, the insurance companies tell us pre-25 that guys are, we're pretty stupid. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, do I want to put up with three or four or five years of stupid is what we do. Yeah. But community college, I could have very easily a 23, 24-year-old kid, right. 22, and, and grab them in. So we have a, 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 was it Dallas County Community College, Collin, Collin County Community College, they actually have a whole trade building. Yeah. So we're working in conjunction with them. So you can call them. Yeah. Because they want guys to come in and speak and, and tell them what the trade's right. like and right. hey, what, what you can expect and, and kind of have those. We don't have to teach the class, but we right. can come in and do little things here and there. Brand yourself in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we they have job fairs and all kinds of stuff and we can be sure. available for those. So did you reach out to them or they reach out to you? We reached out to them. We okay. we reached out to DISD, uh, in, in like you know, a couple of different school districts, yeah. and 
the community college group. Now the two recruiters, they Tamara and Jen, they're the ones that are, are doing that stuff, or do you send well, out actually, people? Actually, our marketing guys had started reaching out, and, and they kind of had this Baker Brothers University idea, okay. and they started reaching out to those those places to okay. kind of talk to them. And then Tamara and, and Jen, they, they'll go work the the booths and, and, okay. and still interact with that, sure. of course. But. Sure, sure. You, you, we talk social media as an outlet with which you're finding people. People are seeing, oh, Baker Brothers, that looks like a fun place to work. But there's, there's got to be more to it than that. I mean, obviously, you have a brand presence. You have a huge marketing budget. And so people see all over the place. But, I mean, is there any direct mail with that? And, you know, email, mailing I know license a lot guys? Of, I know and, a lot of guys do direct mail with yeah, that. Yeah. And a lot of guys get letters. And, you know, and the other part is a lot of the – see, most people get the mail list from the state board. Yeah. And a lot of guys, like us included, have gone, hey, you're we're paying for your license. We're going to pay for you to do all this stuff. We'll put our address down. So we'll uh, get the mail. Yeah, yeah. But they, but you know, there, there's a bunch of stuff out there that's hokey that pe- they get. They've got too many mail pieces that are ten thousand dollar bonuses. Hey, I'll pay for your house or just whatever. Yeah. That they that they don't. Yeah, you can, but you got to do like you know a million dollars of the work, and yeah. then we can do that. So they they there there's a part of that I think the 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 front end signing bonus and all that stuff yeah. that is not effective anymore because so many people are doing it and it's so just manipulated yeah. that I think they don't have any trust in that. Yeah. And I think social media for us, I mean social media for us in the marketplace yeah. is just a a little brand image tool. thing yeah. tool. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like that it's really dynamic. Right. And and in business, but I do the dynamic. I do feel is the people that currently work there. That's a big deal. Yeah, they yeah. they feel they feel relevant. They want their company to be relevant. Sure. In their social media circles, and so if we put something out there, they'll share it and stuff like that. We'll get fifty likes, and forty five of them came from uh, guys that work for us. Yeah. And there's like then my mom and my dad and maybe my aunt. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's what happens, and so. But it's important to them. And if yeah. you go post on these sites, they're like, you know, Texas plumber, you know, whatever. And you post on there. I mean, people see that, dude, they went to the rodeo. Like, right. hey, they did this. So it's it's those little cool things that you do that you can just take pictures of. And it's like a social media thing. Yeah. It's like, and I think it's the most effective way for us to reach people in recruiting is to, it's the same thing we do on Facebook. Okay. I go, I go, have you ever seen the people that are on vacation and they're miserable, like they're <laughs> frowning yeah. and they're all like, you know, kind of bitchy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they go to get a, somebody's going to take, the waiter's going to take a picture of them yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like they're having the best time <laughs> of their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's like everybody's like, you know, they want to, they, and that's what everybody wants in Facebook and, and Instagram and all those things and Twitter. They want, they want to live that good life yeah. that you're showing that's maybe not that way. Right. Now, my thing is, like, I think we should always try in our companies to, to be what we advertise. Sure. So I think, you know, but it's it's those times that we have a good time. It's the times the call center dresses up like leprechauns on, you know, St. Patrick's Day, taking pictures of that and yeah. going, hey, our call center people, just showing that it's like it's a fun place to work, that it's a family environment. Yeah. We had a crawfish bowl. Oh, cool. But I, and I don't think we do a good job of that. This is, I think it's the best thing we could do on social media is to post those things, the activities that we have to, to make people want to have that experience. Sure. Just like I want to go on vacation where they're on vacation. Hey man, that looks like a really cool place to work. Yeah. And I think just over time that those impressions can build up into a, a move of someone who's really good. Sure. Sure. All right, so someone sees you on social media. They're like, I'm tired of working at ABC Plumbing. You know, 
seven o'clock at night. I've seen the crawfish boil. I love crawfish. I call Baker Brothers. You know, talk to Tamara. Maybe come in for an interview. Do you guys? What is what is the vetting process you do for technicians? I know, like we we brought in Culture Index as a vendor. I talked to Gus, you know, yesterday about that. Do you utilize anything like that? I, I don't really use Culture Index with the techs much. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, it's fine. To, so the manager knows how to communicate with them and yeah. how and how they are wired, so they can kind of get stuff done. Yeah. But I mean, when li when you have a licensed personnel, like state licensed people, yeah, like AC guys, yeah, we can vet a little harder because there's a lot of AC guys. The licensed guys, you start saying background check drug test. I mean, that's kind of it. If you get a background <laughs> check drug test and you have a license, yeah, and a driver's license, yeah, you're in. Yeah, I mean, you're in. I go, I go, I can, I can scrub you up. I can shine you up a little bit. I can make you shave. They gotta I be able to learn, though. They gotta be willing. Well, to I mean, do the they system. gotta be able to do the tech. I mean, they gotta. I mean, but I can even put people in places. That's what I, I told our guys. I go. Can't we take a guy who's a good plumber, shows up work every day, but he, he's a poor communicator? Can't we put him somewhere, like our water heater truck? Yeah. Perfect for him. Just get him to sign the piece of paper and go up and change the water heater. And then that's it. <laughs> that's You're done. True. That's true. And, and so it's like, do you have a place when you have – see, other places where they don't have a license, like yeah. if you're in California, you don't have a state license. Besides the guy, the one guy has a state license. Everybody working for him doesn't have to have one. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's that, it's a different vetting process there. Sure. And it should be. And then I have to do a lot more. And I tell our guys all the time, I said, guys, and, and excuse my French, but we got to shine up a turd every now and then. <laughs> I mean, we do. I said, we can't we can't be that picky. If yeah. we go background check drug test, that eliminates so many people it's, with a license. It's sad, but yes. But yeah. it does. I mean, and just the thing, you know, you want to talk about a hot topic? How about marijuana? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's legal in the next state like yeah. oklahoma i think surpassed colorado the other day with the most sales of marijuana <laughs> i think i and saw I go, it and i know i'm like going that's like an hour and a half from where we are right right and it's just it's and when's just, it happen in texas honestly everywhere i, feel I know like, yeah. and, it, and it's just like we have to you know that i've heard a guy go i mean you know his recruiting thing is well i take all the guys that smoke weed because the plumbers like to smoke weed <laughs> <laughs> the plumber like the smoke like, weed. So hey, we're just gonna take that drug off of the drug test. And, oh, that's just weed. He's fine. Bring him on in. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's technically you can say, hey, I background checked. Yeah. I didn't say that I eliminated anybody. <laughs> anybody? I just, I just said like, oh, I, I want to know what they right. did. Yeah. I want to know what they did. Yeah, that's where'd you get that know. stuff? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> but yeah. no, it's it's seriously, yeah, it's it's something that you know. It's really hard to get good guys. Sure. And like Gus is trying to bring guys in through like training programs and bring them up and just train them to be who they are. Yeah. And then when you do that, we've all done that. And we've yeah. all been really disappointed when the guy leaves in six months. Right. And right. we spent thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars on him. And, sure. and you're just, you know, that, that, but we're going to have to do that. I yeah. mean, that's what we have to do because the, and we need to get good people. And and I will say this, I am joking. I, they don't just have to have a pulse in the background check the drug yeah. test and the deal. We do still go, hey, they got to care about the customer. Right. They do. I, I just talked to them the other day. We we're in a retention meeting about talking about retaining the people we had. Yeah. And which is probably the biggest struggle that we're having now. I don't know that we're having a struggle getting the new people in. It's, it's retention. It's retention. Okay. On the younger group, like the Gen Z group. Yeah. Uh, the, Gen, the, the millennial group, we've done a really good job of trying to kind of become a millennial magnet. Okay. But, but yeah, that group's tough. But in the retention meeting, I said, I can tell when a guy walks in and he's talking to y'all that he's not a fit for here. Hmm. I go, based on body language. Just, you know, this one guy, he was really a jerk, sour face. Thought, well, maybe he's just that guy that has that resting <laughs> bitch face, whatever. <laughs> hey, how you doing? No, he was that way. I mean, he was yeah. a jerk. Yeah. 
And I just go, why does he work here? Yeah. How how does he go in a customer's house if he can't if he if he smiled it would break his face? <laughs> how does he go in a customer's house and provide a good experience? Right. You know, so there there is criteria of just your you know you got to be a good moral guy. Sure. And and you have to be somebody who you don't have to be like I'm on Prozac friendly. You just have to be kind of friendly. At yeah. Least. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, you got to fit. So we it's funny the group can tell people that don't fit in, and and it's it's really interesting. I guess like a family. I was going to say, you say group, that's your technicians are going to go. That guy is not. Yeah, I mean, just everybody. Like the people, the call center people walk through there and see somebody at the coffee table. Man, what's that guy doing here? (laughs) Yeah. And and they either, and here's what happens, seriously. We'll get somebody, maybe they're like a little, you know, rough around the edges or whatever. Yeah. But they're either going to like get over to where we are. Yeah. Or they're just going to go away. Right. Because you you don't stay in a group of people. You You can't stay within the group. If you don't share all those belief systems of that group, sure, sure, and that—that's the big thing. But the the retention piece so is yeah, by far the worst thing that we're dealing, dealing with. Now. So let's talk about that. Let's so let's let's talk how you're vetting that, how you're working through that. So you you sit in these meetings. What you do once a week, or so I, I what I what I did is I took I took and measured everyone who the manager. So I think the biggest because that's a big KPI for you for your managers is retention rate. Yes. Right? What is that number? Is there a set number? Company wide, each manager's expected. yeah zero. I'm ah. just kidding. No, no, it's no, it's still. But if they, well, here here's what I did. I just took the guys that had the most. Yeah. Because I'm not gonna as a manager, I'm gonna ask you what happened. Yeah. But I'm not gonna sit there and you know because there's times you need to let people go. I mean, there's times you go, this guy, he was great, and man, he went through a divorce, and he's on a downward spiral, and we can't pull the nose of the plane up. Do you want to wreck? Do you want to crash and burn with him, or do you no. just want him to go on somewhere else? And right. so. The the thing is, we took all the guys that had the most. So the problem is that we don't. I don't think a lot of times we train the managers enough. We do a good job when it's smaller. Sure. When I have my first two managers, yeah, we train them all the time. Yeah. But as we got bigger, we don't do as good a job with those guys. And you got to realize they're the face. They're not the face of your company, but the call center person's coming to the manager going, "What do you want me to do with this customer issue?" Right. He's making that decision about what happens with your customer. Right. He's also making the decision about what happens to your technician. If the technician comes in and goes, hey, I, I, I asked for a day off and you didn't give it. I mean, that whole whatever it is, like, hey, I told you I can't work past four. What are you doing? Sure. Those, those problems. And so what we did is we took those guys and we said, look, everybody who's lost the most people. So we just took how many people we lost. We drew a line. And everybody above that line, we all met in a group. Um See what you're doing. Once a week. And all we did was go, Bob, it's your turn. Bob, I want you to list all the guys. Where Here's all the names of the guys. You put them on the board. We're going to go through each one of their stories and what happened. And we're going to pretend that hindsight's 2020. Yeah. And we're going to pretend no one can take offense here. Yeah. Because we're just going to go, was there anything we could have done about this during the hiring process? Yeah. All the way to, did we make, could we have done something about Impossible situations, some of them. Yeah, yeah. And how, how and many of these really meetings have you had? So we, we just got, we have one more left. We've had uh, seven. So we have one more left. What are you learning? What are you learning from based on these experiences? Well, a lot of, like sometimes, you know, some of it in the, you know, it's funny, like an easy thing was like, you know, maybe in the in HVAC, because they're, they're maintenance, these were maintenance techs, yeah. like the maintenance guys. Sure. So bringing some guy, oh, he used to be a car salesman, and oh, you know, he's wanting to do this stuff, and and they just found out, man, he's so bad with his hands. And, and they just go, man, he, he couldn't, like, physically figure, like, stuff out mechanically. Yeah. And I go, okay, so that solution was simple. 
It was like, hey, so here's a real re- weird question when you have somebody out of industry coming into our industry. Yeah. What kind of tools do you have in your garage? What are your hobbies? And the guy goes, oh, I like woodwork. I like to make, you know, antique chairs. Yeah. That guy probably is pretty good with his hands. Right. Right. He probably mechanically can figure stuff out. Right. Hey, do you, how many, when's the last service person's been in your house? Mm-hmm. And they go, I've never had a service person in my house. That guy's probably also pretty handy. Sure. Sure. So, so it's this. So it's this, adding a layer in the interviewing. Process. In the interview process, if you have that as a as a potential question, is to yeah. ask. And I think a lot of us wonder about technical expertise and how good you are. I can teach you if you're good with your hands, and mechanical. I can teach you to do all the stuff we do. Yeah. It's just you got to have like at least a kind of a natural inclination to it. Yeah. You know, you can't just be like, well, I'm don't know how to use a screwdriver. Right. And so you know? I'm and, and, and that was just one of the examples. But you know, some of the stuff's like. It's really the young guys when they're coming out and they get their license and they're young and dude, everybody just flocks to them all of oh, a sudden. They you're, get the star, right? Yeah, you were the dog. Like you're the guy, hey, fetch my deal and fetch this and go get this for me. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, dude, this guy. Yeah. We had a guy that was young that left and he had a 3,000. So what we started doing is when you got your license, we gave you a bonus. Okay. Just like we gave anybody a sign on bonus. We gave you a bonus for getting your license, appreciation, blah, blah, blah. Next one, we gave you one. Uh, we gave you a, a bonus if after you stayed so many months. This guy was one week away from three grand and leaves. Oh, wow. And gives me two weeks. Those, like two weeks, those literally ended right before he was going to get paid. And I go, he's not very smart. You might have just well, been better was, off with him going. I thought, I thought he was dumb too. When they told me the story, I go, what is this guy? Like a complete just... No zombie moron? What's going on? <laughs> I go talk to him. Dude, he was a really sharp kid. He just like, I, I'm just like, what? I, but the, but the, I think the thing is, is the younger guys even care less about stuff like that. Yeah. Like even the millennial group was kind of like, yeah, we we like getting paid, but hey, whatever. Where those guys are like, money? Eh, it'll come around, you know, whatever. So what are they being promised then? Because if they're not leaving for money, what are they getting it was a, he. Here was a story. Yeah. He left because his, so he and his friend both got their license at the same time. Yeah. His friend wasn't doing so great and he was top 10. He was killing it. And what happened was they give the guys a new truck that mm. are the best guys. And oh. he had an old truck. And so he was killing it. They gave him a new truck. I want a new the truck. other friend goes, well, I want a new truck. And they go, well, I mean, he got the new truck because of this. Well, I got my license a week before he did. I know, but. He got the truck because of his performance, I and mean, that's how we give him out. We've yeah. always given him out that way. Yeah. Well, I don't like that. He his friend leaves. Mm. He let this the t- the top ten guy that yeah. was about to get three grand left because his friend said, "Hey, come over here where I'm working." Wow. And and, and it's that kind, but that, there's that kind of millennials groups are that way. They're I think a little more that way. Yeah. They're they're so tight with each other relationally. Yeah. That it's like it, the relationship's more important. Yeah, that's interesting. The company and the authority figure and the brand they don't care about. Mm, that's interesting. And, and it's that, and that, and that's the same the millennial groups. I mean, it's like, hey, we care about the relationships within the the company. Yeah. Not Baker Brothers. Sure. The inside of Baker Brothers, the people in Baker Brothers. Yeah. And so these other guys are even more that way. Yeah. And so I, I'm having a hard time with the Gen Z guys. And I haven't You'll studied it up out. enough. You'll figure it out. But I haven't studied up enough and sure. I don't know enough about it. The millennial guys, we literally for five years, our objective was going, how do we become a millennial magnet? Yeah. How, how do we draw these guys? And we are millennial strong. Yeah. That's most all of our techs are millennials. Yeah. And we know how they like to compete and like the gamification work. All those things, they love that stuff, mm-hmm. and money is important, but it's not everything, and we get it, and purpose, and and the in the interior of it, 
but we haven't done a really good job with the next group down. So that's what these meetings maybe are. You're trying to figure out how to connect with that younger generation. Or whoever that is we're losing, you know, and, yeah. and why are we losing them? You know, we had we had some that we go, I go, I'll just be honest, I'm going to really pick this guy apart, but this guy needed to leave. Yeah. I go, this, this was a good, this was a good exit from our company, yeah. but let's just for, you know, an exercise. As an exercise, yeah. let's go through it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So we talked about labor, finding labor. Another way to look at labor is maximizing the effectiveness of the labor you have. So minimizing unproductive hours. What do you guys do? And I feel like you probably do a good job of this, of minimizing unproductive hours, getting the most out of the technicians that you currently have. Well, I think what's always been important from us since day one of getting in 2003 that we have to align the technician's goals with the company's goals. Okay. So we really, we, and I'll be honest, in the, another layer is customer, it's the three win thing. Yeah. We, we, we have to align the customer, what they want, what the tech wants, and what the company wants. Yeah. If the company is, if the tech's charging the company hourly and then I'm flat rate, yeah. that, that we are, we're working against each other. Yeah. The more hours he works, the more he gets paid. Right. The less hours he works, is the more I get paid. Right. And so we, we have a production bonus program that's quasi complex <laughs> that, that, that promotes that. Yeah. And so I think, I think you have to have the alignment, but most of these things that create that alignment, I mean, straight commission, I mean, peace pay, you know, what's the one that SGI, what, new comp, new is comp. The original. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever it is, Yeah. you, when you do something like that, where we are on aligned, yeah. Here's the big thing. You have to make sure that someone's a referee and oh. goes, hey, that's not okay. You can't, like, keeps keeps the customer safe. Yeah. Because overcharging or whatever. In my system, they can overcharge. Okay. And they can get paid more. So you have to you have to have somebody that looks at the work orders that makes sure that, that hey, I'm the manager, I'm the referee, I'm going to make sure. Now, a lot of people do this. They give that guy commission. They give the manager commission of those guys. Mm-hmm. That's a pyramid scheme that's going to bite you in the butt. <laughs> because <laughs> no one, the yeah, Fox, true. Yeah. Fox is watching the hen house. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's right. controlling They're all trying to get rich off it. Yeah. Exactly. And right. so it's, it's like you just don't want to get the guys in that situation where their thoughts that way. And so you really have to just have, but you have to have alignment. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people just go, well, I'm never going to, I'm just going to go hourly and flat rate and yeah. you're going to have a hard time. So what is this plan? I mean, you said it's quasi complicated. I mean, can you, can I, you I guess, dumb it down somewhat? I, I guess the, the, you know, all, all books have a, what they have an hour that you like, so you go, my book's like $250 per sold hour. Yeah. They, all those tasks have this sold hour. Mm-hmm. So what we do is, 50% is kind of the productive rate that's yeah. expected. So what we do is we take the sold hour and say, hey, five sold hours in a day, like in a 10-hour day. Yep. So if you do 10 hours, five sold hours a day, that would get you a bonus. You have to have 25 sold hours you know, in the week, yep. and you have to produce 50%. If you do 80%, then you get paid an, an additional amount times the sold hour. Okay. So the, the flat rate one is, hey, if I if a guy does this and it's it's four dollars per sold hour, if he does the minimum twenty five hours, fifty hour week, fifty percent with twenty five sold hours, yeah. he'll get four dollars per sold hour, which is a hundred bucks. Okay. 
that can get up in the thousands mm-hmm. because if they're 80% and they got 38 sold hours or yeah. 40 sold hours, then all of a sudden that's where you get, you get these big, big paychecks yeah. and guys can make six figures. Yeah. So it's pretty much all set at about 23 and a half percent. Okay. So if you just looked at any of them and just did all the math, yeah. it would be 23 and a half. Right. The only thing that, that busts our, you know, thing a little bit is if someone works, only works 40 hours a week or 42 hours a week. Cause we kind of set ours up on a 50 hour. You're going to hit some overtime. So ours is kind of set up that way. But you know, so I had a guy that was like only working like 40 hours straight a week and he was killing it. Yeah. Best sales guys we had. I used to like make it up to him though. I'd go in there and take all his material and pull off and I'd, I'd, I'd I'd go, okay, Hey, I owe you five grand. Mm. So I, I would actually audit him every year because he was outside of our deal. But mo- most of the guys work about 45 and it works. Yeah. That's Jimmy Dale, Baker Brothers Plumbing, Air and Electric, and DFW. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro Trades. At the Home Depot Pro Trades, our job is helping you do yours. Powered by HD Supply, we are uniquely positioned to help drive your business through unrivaled access to professional-grade plumbing, electrical, and HVAC products, and innovative business solutions such as our StockWise Inventory Management Program, fully customizable to meet your needs and improve productivity. Our national network of distribution centers and more than 2,200 store locations provide national reach with a local focus, giving unmatched convenience and product availability. We power pros to do more. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. We provide our members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about CertainPath, visit MyCertainPath.com.